This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. As we kind of look through this, this base camp text that we have in this series called Arrows, while it's a, a series geared towards parenting, directed towards parenting, this applies for every relationship in this, this room. But our text is found in Psalm 127. This is King Solomon wrote, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he's confronted, when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Let's pray, God, today. I pray that as we dive into all that you have for us, that no matter uh, maybe what's said from up here or saying from up here, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and give us exactly what we need today. God, what I need today. God, just this, this refreshing spirit, this new spirit. We don't want to come in here and feel like we just endured church, God, but you poured out on us that we leave here refreshed and restored and renewed in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. All right, celebrate one more time. You guys can have a seat. Man, I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm excited to be back with you guys. But I just want to say that last week, Andrea Beer killed it. She did an incredible job, like, bringing us a word on on just some stats, some data on our county and what it looks like if you will just get your children into one hour of worship a week, what it does in their lives. And it was an incredible word. And if you were not here last week because you were with your family, roasting hot dogs or doing whatever you're doing on Memorial Day weekend, like I was, um, then I encourage you to go back on the podcast and listen to it. Now we're in this series and I wanna start out by, by saying this. Kristen and I, we have four boys, count them, four boys, right? It's crazy. And a lot of people will say, well, you must really like kids. I don't. I just really like my wife. All right. A lot. And so we figured out what happens when you like each other a lot. And we just have four boys, but most of you know that story, um, that, well, I won't even get into all of that because we're going to be here forever. But uh, a lot has changed in our parenting from when we had our first son to now our fourth, like for example, when Wade was born, our first child was born, I remember driving home from the hospital, like terrified that I have this little thing in the back seat. I was going like six miles an hour down the highway, flashers on, right? Every car was an enemy. 
of mine, all right? So I'm doing everything I could to get safely home. I'm the protective father. But now after this fourth kid was born, like I think I literally, Chris and I were leaving the hospital and I turned to her and I said, honey, I know you just had a baby, but I'm exhausted. Can you drive home? (laughs) I didn't really do that. (laughs) But don't things change as, you know, you start adding arrows to your your quiver, like the first baby, you know, you drop a pacifier on the floor, you pick that thing up and you boil it, right? You boil that thing, you sterilize it, you make sure it's good to go before it gets anywhere near the baby. Second baby, you like wash it off in your cup with some water or whatever, dip it in there, brush it off. Third baby, like you let the dog lick it off and just put it back in. It doesn't really matter. But we'd all agree that things change, our lives change. And I found some funny stuff on, online I wanna share with you, but really quick, um, take that off, take it off, because I gotta give a disclaimer. I did not write this. A woman came up with this. So if you're gonna get mad, you can get mad at her, right? I'm just putting it out there. But I did, I tested it out on my wife, and she said, no, 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 it's offensive, but it's funny. So here we go, all right? This is how your life changes with each child. When it comes to maternity clothes, so for the first baby, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as the OBGYN confirms you're pregnant. You're so excited, right? You gotta wear maternity clothes. Oh, we're gonna have a baby. You know, that's awesome. You go shopping. The second baby, you wear regular clothes as long as possible. You're just gonna keep those things on. You're not gonna wear that stuff. The third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. On going out, going out, the first baby, when you go out, you finally get a chance and you you call in a sitter, you call home every five minutes to make sure, you know, that child is all right. The second baby, like just before you're out the door, you think, oh yeah, I forgot, I gotta tell the sitter, you know, leave a number where I can be reached. By the third baby, you leave instructions for the sitter to call only if she sees blood. If there's no blood, best not be calling me, right? But it's funny how how things change with each child. And the Bible says that a merry heart does good like a medicine, all right? So we just need a little medicine this this morning before we dive into uh, this subject matter. Um, And real quick, it would be impossible just in these few short weeks that we're in this series Uh, on parenting to cover everything necessary as it relates to parenting. Like we couldn't do it. So I would encourage you as parents to just go back and kind of read the books, do the studies, get on Right Now Media. That's our our small group. You know, we have this curriculum, this this online kind of Netflix for, for small groups. Like get on and do some parenting studies. But as we kicked this thing off two weeks ago, we started by establishing what the ultimate goal is. Like, what is the ultimate target in godly parenting? What is the bullseye that when you hit the mark, you would know it? And we said that it was in Matthew, that whole idea of seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That the ultimate goal for us in parenting is to point our little ones to, to seeking God, to following Jesus, and to serving God on their way to heaven. And we established that every parent, every family needs to have a flight plan. Like, we all need that. And, and some of you, you have a flight plan, whether you realize it or not, but the reality is the way that you are living your life is according to the flight plan that you have. And I would say this, 
Those of you that are sitting here today, this is part of your flight plan. And congratulations, because you've made church, you've made worship, you've made coming together an important part of your flight plan of how you're going to parent and direct your, your families, and that's awesome. But one day, you gotta let these little arrows loose. You gotta shoot them off. You gotta let them soar towards the target. Because I would say an arrow that doesn't you know, get shot off, that doesn't get loosed, that's not an arrow at all. An arrow that, that just sits in your basement until they're 34 years old, that's not an arrow, right? That's a, that's a mooch, that's what that is. That's a fixture. An arrow that you shoot out into the sunrise and it turns around and comes back, that's not an arrow, that's a boomerang. And some of you parents, your boomerang parents, you keep tossing those things out and they just keep coming right back. But the goal of an arrow right, is for it to leave. It was never meant to remain inside the quiver. It needs to be released. And as a parent, man, we really only have a few short years to shape, to establish what that flight plan, what that trajectory looks like. And again, there's so much ground that we could cover. Today, I wanna talk about what I believe are the irreducible minimums. Like these are the absolutes, and I encourage you to jot these, these down. This will be our, our pre-flight checklist, so to speak, if you will. These are the essentials. Now, when we release those arrows, like there are things in the, the outside environment that will influence them, right? There's, there's wind that's gonna influence whether it hits the target or not. There's, there's could be temperature. You know, if you're really into archery, it could be pressure. It could be all different kinds of influences. It could be other outside uh, influences as well. But what I'm gonna give you, we're gonna call our five pre-flight essentials. These five essentials, these are the things that are gonna help you and I to decrease the possibility for human error. Now, there will be some in our releasing of our arrows. There's gonna be human error. We are human after all. But this will help you and I decrease the possibility as we aim towards the target. And again, these principles will apply for everyone in this room. These will apply for every relationship that you have. While I'm directing it towards parenting, it applies to everyone. We'll start with this verse. Proverbs 24.3 says, it takes wisdom. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is beyond education. Wisdom is beyond training. That we need to have this, this wisdom, this, this wisdom to have a good family, and also it takes understanding. In other words, it takes the ability to, to apply that wisdom, that, that truth, in order to make it strong. And that's the goal. We wanna have strong families. So this pre-flight uh, essentials are gonna be the five core components of an arrow. So I'm gonna give them to you that way. And the first one is this, if you wanna jot it down, it's authentic faith. This is an essential. This is the most important thing in establishing, you know, our, our, a godly parenting, a godly house while we're launching towards the target. We have to have authentic faith. And this would be like the, the shaft of the arrow, this would be the main component that everything else on that arrow is built around. Authentic faith. As if to say, 
there is such a thing as an inauthentic faith. And there is. There is a whole group of people who haven't figured out yet that there's more to God than just Sundays. There's a whole group of people that aren't truly relying on, aren't truly leaning on um, the power and the strength, the anointing, the ability that comes from God, that are just kind of going through the motions, just kind of doing church. And if you're here today and you're just kind of, you know, toying with church, you're kind of just playing church, maybe you're just dabbling a little bit in church, not dabbing in church, that's different. But if you're just kind of going through the motions and churches is a part of your life, but it's not an all-consuming thing, then I'd want to tell you, you're missing out on some stuff. You're missing out on this, this unbelievable strength. You're missing out on this, this, this Holy Spirit strength that is available to you in every situation of your life. The strength that's, that's available as you walk through and as you face everything in this life. There's more to God than just religion. There's more to God than just going through the motions that you can have this incredible, this dynamic, this real, this, this, this authentic faith in God. And if there's any message that really comes out of this church, it's this right here. I want to lead you way beyond church attendance. I want to lead you way beyond that and into an authentic relationship where you know God and God knows you. Like in John 10 where he says that my sheep know my voice. That this is such a real part of your life that it impacts every part of your life. And I say if you don't hear anything else today, like the best advice I can give you in parenting is this right here. Get as close to God as possible. Have this deep, vibrant relationship with God. The best advice I can give any married couple is get as close to God, get as close to Jesus as possible. I used to meet with, with, with couples that were going through issues and they'd come in and they just wanna talk and I'll still do that from time to time and they'll just, you know, I'll, I'll let them come in and we'll sit down and we'll chat and I'll say, all right, tell me what's going on. But if I'm honest with you, I really wasn't listening that much to what they were saying. Number one, because I'm a terrible counselor, right? That's the first thing. Number two is because I already knew what I was going to say. I already knew what I was going to ask them. So as soon as they would get done kind of saying, he's this and she's that and all that kind of stuff, I'd say, all right, all right, I got it, I got it, I got it. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let me ask you a question. How's your relationship with God? Like, if, if we can't get that down if we can't start there, if I can't help you, if I can't give you the only tool that I know that really works is this vibrant, real relationship with God, nothing else matters. And for some of you, that's just where you need to start. Like today, I've given you enough. You can just go home right now. Let's go to Moe's. Let's go to lunch. All right, we're done. Let's pack it up. But that's where we need to start with this real, authentic relationship with God, Proverbs 14, 26 says this, reverence for the Lord gives a man a deep strength, a deep strength. And when you have this deep strength, when you have this deep relationship, this, this, this reverence for God, look who benefits, his children. His children benefit and they have a place of refuge and security. That's what it does for you. I'm just telling you, we have to start here. You can't go any further 
if you don't get this down right here. We talked about this verse last week, Joshua 24, 15. This verse is in our house. This is in our, our, our office on our wall that says, choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's number one. You got to have a real, authentic faith. And I don't think you can go any further until you have that. Number two is this. And if, if having an authentic faith is, is kind of like the shaft, if that's the main thing, the next one, this one might surprise you, is discovering purpose. Discovering your purpose. And this would be like the arrowhead, all right? This would be the point to our arrow. And you can't discover purpose apart from having an authentic faith in God. You just can't. Like you, and you don't know uh, God's will apart from God's, God's word. So you have to have that first before you can discover purpose. Last week we said that there are many different arrows, right? Many different, or two weeks ago, many different arrows, but there's only one target. And parents, your goal, your responsibility is to find out that, that uniqueness, that thing that makes your child different, that distinguishes them from everyone else. And one of the best pieces of, pieces of advice that I can give you is, is for you to tell your children this, you don't have to be good at everything. Like you don't have to be great at everything. You only need to be great at one thing, just one thing. I'm not good at everything. You're not good at everything. And I tell my kids all the time, hey, I don't, I don't need you to be good at everything. I don't need you to make straight A's in every subject. Like, that's not an excuse not to try. Like, try hard, right? Do the best that you can. But I don't need you to make, make straight A's in everything. I just need you to excel in one thing. And parents, that's your responsibility to find out what that one thing is, what that uniqueness is, what that, that thing is that they excel in to discover that. Like you met my kids a couple weeks ago. We brought them all up on, on stage here. And uh, they're all different, very different personalities, different, different attributes and traits about each one of them. One of them, like Wade, and I'll just little time out for a dad brag here. He's just, he's just a genius. Like the kid's just smart, all right? He doesn't get it from me, obviously. Gets it from his mom, but he's smart. He's bright. He skipped fifth grade last year and went straight to sixth grade, so he did middle school because they didn't know what to do with him in math, and that, that wasn't what we wanted necessarily. We wanted him to be the older kid in his class, right, to be a leader and all that kind of stuff, but he's just, he's just bright, and he, he came to me the other day, and he pulled up this Edline thing. Teachers, you, you kind of know what this stuff is, or parents that actually engage with their children in their homework. That's not me necessarily. But you know what this is, too. And he pulled up all his grades in Edline. And he's like, look, Dad, never made a B in my life. And I'm like, that's nothing. I never made a B in my life either. <laughs> like, I worked hard for my C's. Anybody else? Hard for my C's. Usually D's. I don't need to hear all that, Wade. That's great for you. But that's his thing. And, and you, should, you should do well. I mean, if that's, that's your thing, you're smart, that's impressive. And parents, you need to recognize, listen, there's a calling on your life. There's an anointing on your life, parents, to prophesy over your kids, to recognize what that thing is in their life that sets them apart, to recognize what that God-given gift is, those abilities are, 
and distinguishes them from other people. Paul said this in Acts 20, 24. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Watch this. But my only, what's that word? Aim. My only what? Aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me or the, the assignment. Like if I can discover, if I can find out what it is God wants me to do, then that's my purpose. Like my only aim is understanding God's assignment. I love that. And every great parent recognizes that in their kids. That thing, those, those abilities that they have. And by the way, that's my job as the spiritual leader of this house. I think my most important job is to help you discover that too is to help you discover why it is God placed you on this planet. Acts tells us that every person in this room is in this room at this particular time because God ordained it so. That you were born and placed in this place on earth at this time for a reason. And one of my biggest goals is to help you find out like what that reason is. That's why in August we're rolling out uh, a thing called Crash Course. And Crash Course really is designed to help you discover what that thing is that God's called you to do. Help you, and not everyone's great at everything, but everyone in this room is great at at least one thing. There's at least one thing that God has placed inside of you and on your heart to do and accomplish. And the best way really for me to pastor you is for you to know what your purpose in life is. The best way for, for me to help kind of lead you and push you that direction is for you to know what your aim is. And you're not gonna be or supposed to be good at everything. But one thing, and when you find it, when you engage in it for God's glory, man, I'm telling you, this right here for this church is going to be the game changer. This will change everything as you engage in the purpose that God created you for. That's why as a subnote to this point, you have to be careful with your words. Mom, dad, you got to watch what you say. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, only the stuff that's helpful for building others up according to their needs. Not your needs, not your agenda, but according to their needs, the calling that God has on their lives, according to the task that's set before them to build them up. See, I don't, have, I don't have a ton of regrets as a parent yet. My kids are still young, all right? I'm sure I'm gonna screw up a lot, you know, here in the years to come. But if there's anything, I would say that there are times where I've, I've let my, my mouth get ahead of me. I've been a little too quick with my tongue, with my words, and I've said some things that, that I've regretted. So I would just say, watch the words that you say. Just make sure it's for building Others up, be careful with your words. That's what Jesus did in Mark 16. Jesus took the children and he placed them in his arms, put his hands on them. And the Bible tells us that he would speak a blessing over them. I like to think that with every child that Jesus picked up and held, he would, he would speak that blessing. He wouldn't just say, you know, bless you child, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he would actually speak an anointing over them saying, this is what you're going to be. 
This is who you're going to become, that he blessed them. The, the word blessing meant these prophetic kind of statements that they would vocalize. And he spoke a blessing over them that would help point them to their destiny, help point them towards the target that he had planned. Their only aim, my only aim, is to run after that target. I'm just giving you the essentials, the core components. Um, this is kind of our pre-flight essentials, another one. Another uh, non-negotiable, really, just like the, the shaft and the arrowhead. Like, if that's all you have, you know, if you have an authentic faith and you've discovered purpose, and you just have a shaft and a, and a point, and that's all you're shooting, that's not going to work that well. You have to have these, these veins, at least these three veins that we're going to talk of. The first one is this, intentional schedules. Write it down. Intentional schedules. These would be the, the feathers. These are help directing the flight. And you can't have purpose, I would say, apart from authentic faith. And authentic faith really leads to that, that purpose, and purpose will allow you and I to make the most of our time. In other words, you know what to say no to when you know why you're here. And I realize that time is our most valuable commodity. We all have a limited amount of it, we all have the same, you know, kind of amount of it in a day. We don't have much of it necessarily. Therefore, we have to use it wisely. And the families that I know that I admire do this well. The families that I know and I admire, uh, they would say two things. They would tell you that they spent their time focused on what to do and what not to do. In other words, they guarded their time. And Kristen and I are very intentional about our time that we guard with our children. There might be one or two nights a week that, that we don't all have dinner together or that Kristen and I aren't both putting our boys to bed because it's important to us to have that time. You'd say, Colby, really? Is this an essential? Is this really a pre-flight essential? Absolutely. In fact, Cornell University did a study, and here's what they found out. The average father in America today spends seven minutes a day with his school-age kids. Seven minutes. That's 49 minutes a week. That's less than an hour a week. If you want to know why the family is uh, the way it is right now, man, look at that. And in fact, even worse, the average father in America spends 37.7 seconds a day with his preschool age kid and under. So instead, what do we do? We shove an iPad in their face. We say, here, play these games. Watch this, you know, take care of yourself. And I'm not against iPads. I'm not against playing games. I'm just saying, who's raising our kids? Who or what is raising our kids? We need to be intentional with our time. We need to be intentional with our schedule. Like, turn it off. Turn the screens off. For the summer, Kristen and I, we say, no screens allowed, like, at all in the summer. So our boys, like, well, I don't know what to do. Get your rear end outside. You know, do something. Stop staring at the TV. Turn it off. We have limited amount of time, you know, with screens when it's, like, school year, but in the summer, no screens. That's it. And instead, we have what's called a conversation with them. Like you can still do that, right? We can talk to one another. We need to be intentional with our time. And honestly, I'm not against sports, but you might not want to 
enroll in eight different sports at a time and dance and scouts and all that kind of stuff because the Bible says in Psalm 39.6 that if you're living that way, here's what you're doing. All you are is moving shadows. All you are is, is ships kind of just passing each other in the night, right? Trying to coordinate schedules, trying to go from here to there. But all that busyness, all that rushing ends in what? Nothing. Like it ends in and nothing, you say, Coley, well, how do I know, you know, if we're too busy? If when you yell, hey, kids, it's time for dinner, and they run and get in the car, you're probably too busy, all right? I'm just saying. All of that running around ends in nothing. See, no one looks back on their life and thought, man, if we'd have just done one more sport, if we'd have just gone to one more tournament, then maybe everything would be okay. They don't do that. What they say is, man, I wish we had more time, more time. You need to be intentional with your schedule, intentional with your time. Here's some biblical advice from our, our arrow guy, Solomon, Ecclesiastes 4, 6. He says, it's better to have only a little or do a few things with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. It's better to have just a little than to be running around like crazy all the time. That's just an essential. That's, that's a vein that you need in order to shoot that arrow, launch that arrow towards the target. Another one is this. Another vein would be right relationships. Write this down. I, can't, I cannot undersell this. Like this component is, is huge. Here's what I absolutely know, all right? 100% know you are the product of the people you have around you. You are the sum total of the relationships that are in your life, good or bad. You are who you are based on the people in your life. It's been said, right? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Parents, show me the five kids your, your kids are always hanging out with and I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. I can tell you where that's going to lead. This is, relationships are huge. That's why this, this church understands this, and this is such a critical part of who we are, that this church is organized around this beautiful thing called small groups, where we believe that if you can just get in the right relationships with people, like centered around groups that will pray for you, encourage you, help challenge you, help keep you focused and aimed toward the target, that calling that God's placed on your life, then it's the difference maker. It changes everything. And your kids really are no different. They have to get around the right relationships. In fact, the best decisions they will ever make, the best decisions you will ever make in your life are your relationship decisions, hands down, hands down. In fact, next week we're launching another round or season two small group launch. And I would encourage you, if you're not a part of a group, man, get in one. And not only for you, our students are launching their groups as well that week. You can sign them up on Sunday right in the lobby. That's all gonna be available. We're gonna have the groups that are meeting in the summer. Not all of them do. Some meet maybe once a month. Some meet weekly or, or biweekly. But I would just say get connected because it changes everything. You weren't meant to do life alone. And so you gotta have the right people around you, the right relationships. 
That's why young people and college students will always come up to me and they'll say, Pastor Colby, Pastor Colby, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing or where I'm supposed to be. They always ask me that question about their purpose. Where am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to be? And I I always tell them, you're asking the wrong question. The what and the where is not nearly as important as the who. It's the who that's important. Whose life are you supposed to be touching? Whose life are you supposed to be running this race with? The who is extremely important. Look at Proverbs 27, 19. It says, a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. That's strong. Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools goes to jail, like suffers harm, right? Ends up in a place they don't want to end up in. You need to get your kids around the right relationships. You need to be around the right relationships. I would say this, hitting the target of of seeking God and serving the Lord on your way to heaven, hitting the bullseye becomes exponentially more difficult when you're in the wrong relationships. And sometimes maybe even impossible. That's how huge this is, right relationships. And to be honest, this is an area Kristen and I, like we're gonna be really strict in with our kids. Like you don't have to do it our way and that's fine, but straight up, like we're, we're gonna monitor the relationships they have extremely like, like closely, even at this young age. Like you're not gonna hang around him. If all he does is cuss and swear all the time and talk about nasty stuff, you're not going over to his house, you know, kind of thing. Maybe he can come over here. We'll talk about that. And we get pushed back. Parents, you're gonna get pushed back, right? My kids will say, well, I wanna hang around so-and-so. It's like, well, that's fine, but you're gonna have to bring him to church and he's gonna have to get saved first before you're hanging around him, right? You're gonna get pushed back. But parents, that, that pushback, that's short-term pain for long-term gain. And those of you that have, have really held that closely, man, you're seeing the benefit of that now in your young adults' kids, your, your older you know, kids that you have because you, you worried about the relationships that they were in. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, don't be yoked together. And can I just say this to someone, a young college student or a young girl that's, that's missionary dating, you know what that is? Like you're dating a guy with the hopes of leading him to Christ, winning him to Christ, even though he's not a Christian. Listen, don't do that. Like a guy will do or say just about anything to get you, and once he's had you, it's back to the old ways. And I know I just made it maybe really awkward for someone in here this morning, because maybe they even came to church for you. But don't do that. It never works. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers for what? Do righteousness and wickedness have in common? The answer is nothing, nothing really. Or what fellowship can light have with the darkness? It can't, it can't. This is just a core component, a huge essential in preparing to launch your arrow to fly. And this is the last one. This is an absolute must. And you can't have right relationships without this piece right here, amazing grace. Amazing grace. We sing that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know why? You know why it's amazing? Why we call it amazing? Because it just doesn't make any sense. 
Like it's beyond our comprehension that God would, despite what I've done or even what I'm going to do, like the fact that I place my hope in Jesus Christ, he's given me that grace. He gives me forgiveness for all that, no matter what. He still loves me and forgives me. Who treats you like that? Like no one but God treats us that way. Hey, real quick, your arrows or your relationships need that same grace. They need that same grace. There is not a relationship. There is not an arrow in your quiver that won't need you to exercise extreme grace at some point in order to maintain that relationship. You say, why is that? Why is it so hard? Because we're human. Because we're gonna screw up. Because, you know, we're, we're fallible. My kids, my kids are gonna blow it one day. I know they are. Like, they're, they're still young. They haven't necessarily blown it, blown it. But give them time, right? They're gonna blow it. And so I can't necessarily draw on them as an example, but I can certainly draw on myself. I can give you several examples from my own life where my parents have had to extend unbelievable amounts of grace to me. In fact, I'll share, I'll share one of the thousands with you. In high school, um, man, I was so dumb in high school, so dumb. We, uh, some guys got together and, and they decided they were gonna have this major scavenger hunt thing at the end of the year and you had to put in like 100 bucks per team and uh, you know, the winner just takes it all and there are like 20 different teams of like four people. But the things on the scavenger hunt list were letters off the other school, you know, our rival school in Richmond, Virginia, like it was Freeman, and, you know, it was letters out of their marquee. It was like pop machines, um, letters off the fraternity house at University of Richmond, Coke, like, like newspaper stands, telephone booths. Some of you have no idea what a telephone booth is. That was when I was in high school. They still had super old, super old. But basically, it was essentially vandalism and tearing up all this stuff from around the city. Like, my friends and I, we, we grabbed one of those giant, like, fiberglass animals from a putt-putt course and threw it on the top of my car. And we all met up, like everyone in this cul-de-sac, this abandoned kind of cul-de-sac. And we left all the stuff there and tallied up the points and see, you know, saw who the winner was. And it wasn't us. But the way we knew, you know, whose teams were what, somebody had it all written out. And so with all the stuff that we piled up in this cul-de-sac, they left all the names of each team and each person in that cul-de-sac. We were bright, bright kids, I'm telling you. And so that next Monday in school, about 80 of us get called into the auditorium. And there's like three detectives there, two police officers, and they just made this huge, like, they just put on this huge deal. And those of us that were over 18, it wasn't me at the time, um, man, they, they were like in the paper, jail time, all that kind of stuff. We had to do community service. It was, it was the worst thing I'd ever experienced. Walking into the courtroom at that age and having my dad stand beside me. And you know what? In that moment, like my dad understood that if I ever needed him, it was right then. Maybe I'd blown it and done some little stuff here and there, but that was big. And he just knew that if I ever needed to rely on and depend on that relationship, that grace in that moment, it was right then. 
And he extended this unbelievable amount of grace to me. Well, I'm still blown away by it. I thought, man, it was, I'm, I'm dead. My parents are gonna kill me. But it was this grace. It was this grace. Let me read you a, a letter um, from a guy that uh, was, was getting ready to leave his, his house and he left this note on his dad's pillow and this is what it says. It says, dear dad, um, Emily and I had to elope. We knew that you and mom would not approve of our relationship and the fact that she is much older than I am. But the real reason why we're leaving is not just because of the passion that she's shown me, but because of the fact that she's pregnant. Emily says that we'll be very happy together in her trailer that she has in the woods. And we'll be happy living in this commune with other people. Emily has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana really doesn't hurt anyone. And so we're going to be producing it ourselves and trading it with others in the commune for meth and for cocaine as much as we want. Emily says we'll be happy together as we continue to, to live together and hope for one day that science discovers a cure for her AIDS. And I know, Dad, that this sounds like a lot and it's overwhelming, but I'm 15, I can handle it. One day, Emily and I might come back home and we'd love to have you meet the grandchildren. But for now, just so you know, we will not be communicating. Your son Tommy. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in this world than the report card in my top drawer of my desk. <laughs> I had you going, didn't I? That's grace, right? Some of you are like, oh, my kids are so good. I love my kids now. There's nothing like that. We have to extend Grace, extend grace. Every relationship will need this. It's not just about your kids. It's about every relationship. Some of you, and you're holding an offense against someone. It's keeping them from, from having that relationship that God intended, that right relationship. We need to extend grace. See, I need to say something to someone. There's someone here today, you're thinking about bailing you're thinking about leaving your family, maybe leaving your marriage. And here's what you're thinking here. The grass is greener on the other side. You know, less responsibility. It's better the grass is greener. Here's what you need to know. If you want greener grass, you should start by watering your own yard. And some of you kids, man, maybe you're like, I'm so tired of living at home. I hate it. Don't want to live with my parents. Can't stand them. It's too hard. You don't know how hard it is for me to live at home. They don't understand me at all. Here's what I want to tell you. The Bible says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's Mark 3.25. That it just takes grace. But it's too hard. It's too difficult. You don't know what they've done. You don't know how they've, they've treated me. You don't know the fight that we're in. Look at Ephesians 4.32. I'm going to close with this. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as, just as what? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, you will never have to forgive someone more 
then God has forgiven you. And in Christ, he gives you that amazing grace. And I would say it is almost impossible to extend grace, amazing grace, if you've never received it yourself. And maybe some of you here today, like you're far from God. You've never received that unbelievable, unmerited grace that feels like, man, you just got poured on. This rain came down, cleansed your your heart, power washed your soul, flooded your life. The Holy Spirit lives in you and gives you the strength for all your situations. And today that might be the decision you need to make is to receive that amazing grace of God. Let's do this. Why don't you stand to your feet as we prepare to close. And just with every head bowed, every eyes closed today, maybe there are relationships in your life that are broken that need your forgiveness because just as Christ forgave you, that's how we are to forgive others. And it starts there, making those relationships right and whole. And maybe in this moment, you just ask God to help restore that relationship. Maybe it just begins by you uttering a prayer that goes something like this, God, help me to want to forgive. And allow God to plant that seed. Allow God to start to establish that that rain cloud in the distance. And get ready for the flood. Get ready for that grace to wash over you. Those of you, maybe you're in this room and you feel far from God. You walk through these doors. Maybe you've never heard the gospel, understanding that Jesus gave his life for you, that there's nothing that you've ever done or ever will do that his grace will not cover. And until you receive his grace, it's really difficult to give grace. And Jesus died for all your sin, past, present, and future. And the moment you call on his name, and the moment you repent of your sin and go in your own way, the Bible tells us that you will be saved. You'll be given a fresh start. You'll be given a new life. You have that moment where the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and strengthen you and empower you. Man, give you everything that you need for this life that you're in to help you as you live towards this target. Jesus, I pray for those today that need to receive that grace. If you'd say, Colby, I'm here today and I need to pray that prayer. I need to receive God's grace in my life. I need forgiveness of my sins. I need a fresh start in Jesus' name. When you pray that commitment, I'm praying with you. Would you raise your hand wherever you are in this room? I just wanna see who's praying with me today. Come on, God bless you. That's awesome, God bless you. Hold it up high, hold it up high. We're just gonna get ready to receive all that God has for you in this place. Praise God. You can pray this in your heart. You can pray it out loud. God knows where you are. Just pray this. Jesus, today, I receive your unmerited, unconditional grace. Thank you for dying for me and my sin. I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin. And I turn towards you. And from this moment on, Jesus, my only aim, my only task is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything 
will be added unto that. My focus is to follow all the days of my life. I confess you as Lord and as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.